Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, we are returning once again to Marvel. And we are watching Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Does whatever a spider can. <laughs> Peter J. Spiderman. Oh, no. Spider-Man Homecoming, released in 2017. That's what we're reviewing today. Yes, we are reviewing the first solo movie for Spider-Man. Not his first appearance, because, of course, that happened in Civil War. Well, not to mention the previous Spider-Men, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, so I, I feel like I haven't actually seen this probably since it came out in the theater. Yeah, it's been a while because, yeah, we had Far From Home, which also was very good. Yeah, that was 2019. And then, of course, No Way Home is the most recent one that came out last year. Which was amazing. It was pretty dope. Can't can't deny that. The only The only regret I have regarding No Way Home is that because of COVID and whatnot, we didn't see it in the theater. I feel like if COVID wasn't a thing, we would have been like one of the first people there. Midnight day came out to go see it. And I feel like the hype of it would have been just insane. Like, I feel like we kind of lost something seeing No Way Home at home. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. And we're, we're not talking about all those things now, Scotty. We got to go to where it all started from. Homecoming. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was directed and co-written by John Watts, who is the helmsman of all the new Spider-Man Tom Holland films. Uh, for this particular movie, he was inspired a lot by the John Hughes movies, the coming-of-age type tales. Apparently, there were five other writers on this movie, so six writers altogether, which... I feel like the movies that we've talked about in the MCU so far, they've had multiple writers, a lot of them, but not that many. <laughs> like, there's usually, at the most, there's been three, I feel like, up to this point, at least out of the ones we've reviewed for this season of our show. Yeah, well, I gotta think of it this way. Again, we are post Avengers, and they were taking some of the things that people were like, eh, I'm not sure about that. You had the bad villains. I like Marvel, but, you know, some of this stuff is kind of, like, repetitive at to a point. I feel like Marvel, as we have followed, like, the singular plot lines, Marvel has turned, like, the corner on a lot of things. I think also it, it probably has to do with the fact that Sony, just, just Sony, I feel like there were probably a lot of more cooks in the kitchen than there normally would be because of all the Sony fuckery that was going on with that entity and Marvel as an entity. We'll, we'll talk about all that jazz, you know, at some point, I'm sure. Oh, well, let's get into that right away, because we couldn't watch this on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my God. Okay, let's talk about the adventure we went on to watch this movie. Because, first of all, I wasn't sure if we actually owned the movie. I, I knew we owned one of the Spider-Man movies. I thought it was Homecoming. Apparently, I was wrong. <laughs> It might be Far From Home. I don't know. Well, I know we bought No Way Home on digital, so I know we have that. But I freaking turn on Disney Plus, and I'm like, okay, la di da da. Let's pull up Spider Man, like we've done with every other freaking Marvel movie up to this point. And lo and behold, it's not there. And I'm like, what the fuck 
is this? And then I Google it, and it's not available on Disney Plus. It's available on Stars because fucking Sony. <laughs> and I'm like, you motherfucker. So we had to get a free trial of Stars, the streaming service, for to watch this movie. And I blame Sony for just the sheer abuse that I had to take after watching Spider-Man Homecoming again, which, by the way, was a, a great surprise for me, actually. I forgot how good the damn movie was. It was really a delight. But then <laughs> my husband, who shall not be named at this particular point. I'm not named. <laughs> he who should not be named looks on the star's fucking streaming service and says, oh, babe, look at this. I'm not going to cancel stars right away. No, no, no. Because we have to watch... Venom 2. <laughs> Babe, we have to watch Venom 2. I'm like, why? Why do we have to do that? It's terrible. By all accounts, we know it's terrible. Why do we want to watch it? We watched the first one. We didn't like it. And then the second one came out. And we're like, oh, everyone's saying this is terrible. Why do you want to watch it? Why? Why? And he's like, J you know, because. I'm like, well, that's not a valid reason but okay fine i mean you know i'm a fair and capricious god so i'm like okay husband let's watch venom 2 let there be carnage and we did i you know 90 minutes of my life were pissed away on venom 2 <laughs> do you have anything to say for yourself in defense scott i just really would like to know hey you love watching bad movies, and I was hoping it wasn't. It wasn't bad in the fun way. I was hoping it was going to it be. It wasn't bad in the fun way. Well, again, hope floats. It's um, just, it's just Tom Hardy when he's playing Eddie. He's doing a bad like Brooklyn accent, I guess. And then when he's Venom, he's doing like a bad Cookie Monster accent. And then somehow a plot is happening around it that doesn't make any sense. And then it's not funny. And then Woody Harrelson has a horrible wig. Again. And it's just so bad. It's so bad. And I blame I blame Sony. I blame I blame Scott. I blame Sony. And what's another S I can blame? Satan. I blame Satan. Because that's clearly where that movie came from. Satan's asshole. Satan's sphincter, some might say. Ooh, that was a lot of S. That was a lot of alliteration there. I'm very proud of myself. Anyway, now I guess since we're on the subject of Sony, we can get to the Disney v. Sony controversy. Obviously, as everybody knows, Sony owns Spider-Man, or Spiderman, as uh, Scott sometimes calls it. <laughs> and... Disney slash Marvel wanted a piece of that action because obviously, right? So from what I understand, the original proposal by Marvel was to have Spider-Man appear in several like MCU movies in exchange for Columbia slash Sony getting a cut of the profits, which makes sense because Sony, who is notoriously shitty at doing movies, as in, at least in regards to superheroes, you don't have to do anything and you get free money sounds like an excellent deal to me but it was rejected by sony that deal this was around the time when uh, andrew garfield was in the mix doing amazing spider-man so sony came out with amazing spider-man 2 which is awful and it flopped and then Sony magically decides, oh, we're going to renegotiate. And then the new deal comes around and Marvel in this new deal produces the movie for Sony within the MCU 
and Sony has full financial distribution and creative control. Uh, and I think Disney gets like the merchandising rights and like a small percentage of the box office. So essentially Marvel produced the movie and Sony, I guess, got the final say on the creative stuff. But I think I think if I if I would have to guess, I would say that they were pretty hands off with the creative aspect. They just wanted to like say they had the final say. <laughs> But at the end of the day, you know, you should hand it over to the professionals. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> well, we'll talk really quickly about the other two Spider-Men. Toby's, you got Sam Raimi, and it, you got two movies that are really good, and the third one kind of fell apart. Yes. Uh, but, like, to be fair, we I think we talked about this recently, actually. Toby Maguire really had no reason to be in Spider-Man. Like, he was a great Spider-Man. But in the original Spider-Man... It's established that they're all in high school. And Tobey Maguire looks about 35 in the first Spider-Man movie and has zero place being in a high school with other people that clearly look in their 30s. Then you got Garfield Spider-Man. Garfield really got fucked. Uh, he got he has two bad like he is a good no. Spider-Man. Yes. But he's got two terrible movies. I well, here's what I'll say about Garfield. I think the first movie is okay. Yeah. I think he got fucked with the timing because it really was like right after Spider-Man 3 and they were just turning out another one and no one really cared enough to give two shits about it. And then Amazing Spider-Man 2 came and that was genuinely horrible and then that was the end of that. But I think since then it's been hammered home that Andrew Garfield is a great actor and a great Spider-Man. He just needed to be in a good movie. <laughs> I also think, and this is always the argument, I think Garfield is a great Spider-Man. I never really enjoyed his Peter Parker. Toby, I think, was a better Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man, I don't think, is up to the level of Garfield's. Now, Tom Holland, I think, is the best of both worlds. I kind of disagree. I, I agree that Tom Holland is the best of both worlds, but with Toby and Andrew Garfield, I would say the same thing you said, but just switch it. I'd like... Toby's Spider-Man and Andrew's Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield, no matter what Andrew Garfield does, we're getting into an argument with Andrew Garfield, but Andrew Garfield, no matter what he does, he's too cool for school. He's always been too no, He's always been too cool for school. I completely disagree. And his disagree. Peter Parker is too cool for Peter Parker. I disagree, but I mean, agree to disagree. It's okay. Listen, married couples, they have fights sometimes, guys. It's okay. We, we still love each other. It's okay. But I think Andrew Garfield, I could see him coming back into the thick of it more than I can Toby. Because even in No Way Home, I think t underneath it all, I think you can kind of see that Toby's like, this is fun for now. But like, I, you know, I'm good after this. This is fun to revisit. But like, I can't do this shit forever. I'm done. Like, uh, this is a nice return. Hi, guys. Miss you guys. But I'm out. Andrew Garfield, I feel like, is still hungry because he like got screwed over the first time around and now he's got a taste of like oh this is what happens when they do a good superhero movie got it this is cool okay yeah let's do this <laughs> well I, okay this is what i think is going to happen and if it does i want everyone to share this podcast because i think this is what's going to happen oh jeez. i have a feeling they're going to do another movie with toby and toby's going to die in that movie and that's where miles is going to come into live action you're talking about tom or toby N toby Oh. I think they're going to kill Toby in another movie 
Oh, oh. And that's where Miles is going to come in oh, live kinda, action. Kind of like Spider-Verse, but in live action. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Um, That could happen. That would be... Just the thought of that makes me want to cry. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I'm getting misty thinking about Tobey Maguire Spider-Man dying. But that's my balls-to-the-walls prediction. But we should get into this movie. Yeah, let's let's say... Fo- that's the problem with Spider-Man is that there's so much... There's so many different interpretations of it that we can get lost in all the michigas so we're gonna try and stay focused so. under ruse under ruse right now. under ruse yes <laughs> so um the history of spider-man um the character obviously who was created by stan lee along with steve ditko and he first appeared in marvel comics in 1962 and obviously like we've been saying there's so many interpretations of it whether it's films cartoons TV shows, video games, you know, even a Broadway musical. Did, did you know that, Scott? I didn't know about U2's oh, no. Broadway musical. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, it, I mean, I never saw it, but it's it's got all the controversies. Oh, yeah, because they kept fucking, like... Things. Almost killing people. <laughs> That's always fun. So, Spider-Man is considered one of the most beloved superheroes of all time. And as Scott mentioned before, Tom Holland's Spider-Man first appeared in Civil War. He was 19 when he was cast. And um, this movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, is chapter four of phase three, right between Guardians 2 and Thor Ragnarok. So we are getting to the very end of the Infinity Saga. And the movie obviously was very popular. It completely exploded Tom Holland's career. He won a Teen Choice Award. And it was reflected in the box office, obviously. It had a budget of $175 million, and it made a worldwide gross of $880 million with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92%. It is so much fun. You have a great villain. You have a fun story. Tom Holland's great in it. Honestly, all the characters who are cast, except one, are really good and really fun. Who are we talking about? Tom Holland's initial love interest. Oh, Liz. Yeah, we don't like Liz. No, we want Zendaya. <laughs> Let's get to MJ. <laughs> I totally forgot in this movie that, like, we didn't know who MJ was until the very end of the movie. Like, they never... Like, we knew Zendaya was in the whole movie, right? Also, her personality, I feel like, totally changed between this movie and like by no way home she seems like a totally different person well i think she opened up right i think i get that's the point but it's just funny watching her in this movie being like dry and sarcastic as fuck it's kind of hilarious but yeah i also forgot that throughout the entire movie no one ever says her name until the very end one of the teachers calls her michelle and then she's like oh my friends call me mj and i was like oh yeah that was like a big moment i forgot in the movie so, are you ready to get into the nitty and the gritty? I certainly am, Scotty. So, we get our opening, like, Marvel title card with the Spider-Man theme over it, which was fun. Yes, the Spider-Man theme has always been a good time. From when Aerosmith did it fucking back in the Sam Raimi movies. To this, it's just, it's a good theme song. It really is. It's catchy as fuck, too. In the opening scene of this movie, we meet 
Adrian Toomes, who eventually is going to be our villain, the vulture in this movie, spoiler alert. Uh, he's played by Michael Keaton, who we, of course, have talked about in the past uh, when we did our Beetlejuice review. And at this point, Michael Keaton is superhero royalty. Well, he played the Batman. He played the Batman in arguably the best Batman movie, which is very interesting that he has kind of graduated from being the comedy guy on TV to being this legend. Yeah, that's true. And we'll talk about it as we go through, but like he's legitimately scary in this movie. Like there's one scene in particular where I remember watching in the theater being genuinely scared. Yeah, he he definitely doesn't disappoint in his villain role. The vulture in any media other than this one has always been kind of portrayed by like an old man in like a wingsuit. And it's kind of, he's always kind of been like a second-class villain. And goddamn, Michael Keaton does a good job making this character. A, you feel bad for him, and B, menacing. Right. Well, we meet him here in the opening scene. He is the head of this salvage company, and it's right after the Battle of New York, which took place during the Avengers, the original Avengers movie. And... Adrian Toomes is pissed off because Tony Stark and this government agency called the Department of Damage Control, they come in and they basically take his work away from him. They're like, listen, we don't need you people to help clean up the city. You know, we got this. So don't worry about it. Fuck off, basically. And they're kind of dicks about it, too, which doesn't help. So Toomes is annoyed and he takes his crew and goes on their merry way but his crew have stolen some alien tech from the aliens that attacked during the battle of new york so they decide to take this technology and use it to create and sell weapons and things that are evil vulture man scary you know and uh that's the whole opening credit sequence of the movie it's very funny because you want to be like, how in the world did these guys take this alien technology mm-hmm. and create these weapons? And you're like, are they that smart? Are they really that smart to make alien technology into weapons? They're not Tony fucking Stark. <laughs> so after that, we cut to four years later in 2016, right after Civil War we kind of get a reintroduction into Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, a.k.a. Tom Holland. And basically, he has like a little video diary documenting everything he went through to become the Spider-Man and help Tony Stark during Civil War and everything. And it was kind of a cute way to get a recap on what's happened and get back into Peter's story. Well, I did love because they did the thing where... He webs the camera to something and then goes off to like, as he's like filming himself. Like that's such a Peter Parker thing to do because he does that in every form of media where he has like a camera off to the side webbed up so he can film himself being Spider-Man. So after the events of Civil War, Tony basically just drops Peter off at home and he's like, hey, listen there, kid. You're not ready to be an Avenger yet, so you just go on back to school in your normal life, and we'll call you when we need you, okay? Bye. And it's like, I mean, obviously that is the right thing to do, I suppose, but 
it's a difficult ask for a kid, a teenage boy, no less, to be like, listen, I know that you kind of just had like an internship with the Avengers and you basically, you know, helped us save the day and all kind of. But like now after you've had that grand adventure, here's a super suit. Go and like save kitties from trees in New York City and, you know, have yourself a time. Bye. Like, what did you think was going to happen, Tony? (laughs) He's going to get into mischief. What I do like about this iteration of Spider-Man, and they kind of did it with Andrew Garfield's as well, but I feel like in this one they do it better. They established that Peter is like a fucking genius. Like, he's super duper smart. He goes to the Midtown School of Science and Technology and throughout the movie you really see him interacting a lot with the suit and you know figuring shit out like the smart ass science boy that he is well yeah it's very fun when he's like figuring out how like he's making his webs randomly in class Tom Holland plays this off very well as being the quiet smart kid who is in way over his head we meet some of Peter's friends and teachers and stuff. Uh, I'm going to breeze through some of the more important ones, obviously. We got, of course, MJ, who she does have a role in this movie, but again, it's not as prominent as it is in the other ones because she's not dating Peter yet. Uh, she's played by Zendaya, and this is her first feature film role before she was a Disney Channel star and a singer, and she also did The Greatest Showman the same year as this movie. This obviously also blew up her career as well, right along with Tom Holland. And let's see, who else did we meet here? We meet Ned, of course, Peter's best friend, played by Jacob Batalon. And from what I understand, he is the soon-to-be Hobgoblin. Yes. Cool. That's going to be really sad. Anyway, (laughs) I'm ready for that. Uh, We also meet Peter's kind of bully, uh, Flash, played by Tony Revolori. Uh, I know him from Grand Budapest Hotel, but I don't think you've ever seen that, Scott. That's another Wes Anderson movie. I've seen parts of it. The Flash we've seen in the past has always been this jockish kind of character. And Tony Ravioli... Ravioli... (laughs) Uh, Revelori. Tony Revelori plays him still as an asshole who falls in love with Spider-Man, but is still... Wait, who falls in love with Spider-Man? Tony Revelori. Flash Thompson. Is, is Flash supposed to fall in love with Spider-Man? Yeah, he's like Spider-Man's biggest fan. Oh, I thought you meant... Okay, sorry. I thought you were speaking romantically, and I was like, wait, I miss this comic. Does <laughs> Flash, like have gay love for peter i wasn't aware no not gay love for peter gay love for spider-man got it (laughs) i wasn't aware so then uh the other i guess most important classmate that we meet is liz played by laura harrier she was in the movie the black klansman which comes out the next year after this movie um liz is just kind of like you know she's a perfectly nice girl but she's like more popular and she's very pretty and peter has a little crushy crush on her um but laura harrier is also supposedly going to be in the <clears throat> white man can't jump remake now see when i say those words white man can't jump remake scott proceeds to have a nervous breakdown because <laughs> 
she doesn't like the fact that this movie is being remade. Is she going to be Rosie Perez? I'm guessing. I don't know. Oh. I've never seen White Man Can't Jump, so I'm sure I'm going to see it at some point before this movie comes out. But yeah, maybe. I don't know. He doesn't understand why Jack Harlow is going to be Woody Harrelson in the White Man Can't Jump remake. And I'm like, babe. No, I, no, I understand why he's going <laughs> to be Woody Harrelson. Here he goes, here he goes. I do understand because <laughs> the guy can shoot a nice shot and he's got he's got some hoop talent. I get it. And he's popular. I understand he's why. He's popular with the kids. I get, I understand why. I don't understand <laughs> why so we're remaking angry. this fucking movie because A, it's a great movie by its own, and I'm guaranteeing this, Jack Harlow cannot act as well as Woody fucking Harrelson. Now, you don't know that. I know, I know that, <laughs> and I don't even have to see the movie. Oh, you're so angry. I just needed to bring that up because it's going to make Scott mad, and you know how like, I enjoy that. Anyway, we establish in this kind of opening part of the movie, Peter is friendly neighborhood spider-man and we get a lovely little montage of him swinging around in queens helping little old ladies cross the street saving the aforementioned kitties stuck up a tree giving people directions and shit just just being an absolute delight and i enjoyed that montage of course also because the song over it is blitzkrieg bop see at school Peter is part of several different clubs including the academic decathlon team and he decides to quit all of that stuff because he needs to stay alert and stay ready for when Tony Stark calls him to rejoin the Avengers suddenly he happens upon a bank robbery in progress complete with criminals in Avengers masks so Peter proceeds to fight these guys and then it's pretty much going like a standard situation until one of the guys whips out some alien guns or something and it gets really fucking crazy. The bad guys end up like accidentally destroying a bodega, destroying the bodega across the street and Peter saves the local bodega owner and his lovely little fluffy cat and (laughs) he runs on home. And this is where we get the scene where, of course, our best friend Ned finds out the secret identity of Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker. Yes, because Peter has no peripheral vision. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, he climbs into his dark room, climbing on the ceiling, jumps down, closes his bedroom door slowly turns around. And then Ned is just sitting there on his bed. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck, dude? This also leads to Ned basically going, Peter knows Spider-Man. Oh my god. Yeah, that was like a bad... I mean, it really does come off clearly that it's inspired by like a John Hughes situation. Like a very kind of almost formulaic, but not because it's John Hughes in a Marvel movie, right? It's very much like a typical high school type movie where like... They're all in gym class, and Liz is like, I have the hots for Spider-Man. And Ned's like, oh, Peter knows him. (laughs) And then Flash is just an asshole, and Liz is like, oh, well, I have a party, so why don't you invite Spider-Man to my party? We we forgot to introduce his aunt. Oh, yes, Aunt May, who somehow is still blissfully unaware that 
Peter as Spider-Man until like the last scene of the movie, which is hilarious. She's played by Marissa Tomei. Somehow Aunt Mays have become younger and younger and hotter and hotter as the movies have gone on. But uh, yeah, she's awesome and we love her. Indeed. So our next sequence basically is Peter and Ned going to this party at Liz's house. As Peter goes outside in like an alleyway, changing into his Spider-Man getup, kind of begrudgingly, he's like, this is so stupid. (laughs) I don't want to do this. He notices some flashing lights in the distance and he swings off to go to to the danger and see what's going on. And we meet Donald Glover. Yes, Donald Glover's in this movie. And he plays a character who technically is Miles Morales' uncle. Yes, Aaron Davis. Who knows if that'll ever get, like, actually brought up, like, introduced into the MCU again. But who who knows? Who could say? Toombs' crew, guys, they are selling weapons to Aaron Davis. And shit goes awry and Aaron Davis is like this is kind of some heavy shit like I don't really want anything to do with this Peter jumps in he saves Aaron Davis ends up going on some wild chase with the bad guys to try and stop them from having these weapons and then they end up calling Aaron Toombs and he puts on the little vulture suit and flies around grabs Peter by his little ankles and throws him into the fucking river (laughs) to drown potentially where he is saved by Iron Man. Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, he's saved by an Iron Man suit that Tony is controlling remotely while he drinks a mojito somewhere. Right. Fun. But he's like, kid, don't worry about these weapons. Just be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh, but Peter, I think Peter is just basically like trying to audition at this point. So he's like, I'm going to stop the bad guys. And it's like, oh, sweetie. Well, because let's face it, Tony's ignoring him. Happy's ignoring him. Oh, Happy. Oh, John Favreau. He's so sick of these fucking kids. <laughs> at one point, like in another like really intense moment where Peter's running around trying to save the day, Ned actually calls Happy too. And it's like, listen, Peter needs help. And he's like, oh, shut the fuck up. And he's with the phone. It's like, Happy. <laughs> Uh, what is with people in the forest always hanging up the phone? Oh, you know, parents just don't understand. <laughs> you really gonna make the Will Smith reference here? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> As the Tony suit leaves, Peter actually doesn't really heed Tony's warning at all, and he ends up grabbing one of the alien weapons that was left behind by the bad guys. Meanwhile, Toombs, back at his evil lair, he quote-unquote accidentally kills the guy that lost the weapon. I feel like it's a question as to whether it was actually accidental. Because what happens is he picks up one of the weapons, holds it to the guy, and then shoots. And the guy fucking disintegrates. And he looks around and is like, oh, I thought that was the anti-gravity gun. It's like, hmm, did you though? Did you really? So when the bad guys come looking for the weapon at Peter's school, he ends up planting like a little tiny spidery tracker on the guy. And he and Ned realize that the bad guys are headed to Maryland for some evil fuckery. So Peter decides he is going to rejoin the decathlon team because they are headed to D.C. 
for the national championship. So school hijinks again yay school hijinks ned i need you to take this alien technology and keep it on you at all times turns out later that that piece of alien technology when going through an x-ray machine becomes a bomb well yeah because they take the weapon peter and ned and they disable it kind of and they pull out the core of it and it's just this little glowing purple stone, basically. Not an infinity stone. We'll fucking get there. But <laughs> yeah, essentially, after some fuckery, which we'll get to in a minute, Peter realizes that it's a very, very dangerous bomb. And then it leads to like a really good action scene. But um, before Peter goes on his little trek to try and stop the bad guys, he has Ned disable the training wheels quote-unquote thing on his suit basically making sure he can't do anything crazy because <laughs> apparently tony made the suit able to do like 50 bajillion things uh, a lot of which are very dangerous including instant kill <laughs> you shouldn't give a 15 year old the power to instantly kill anyone <laughs> that seems un intelligent <laughs> hence the training wheels mm. uh, <laughs> also why did tony not know that it was disabled like did nothing go off well, like at stark enterprises like oh training wheels application has been disabled well i think it it does go off mm. but I well they just put it on the back burner i guess to <laughs> face, deal with it yeah it probably happy saw it and happy was like oh fuck this kid well it leads to one of the more fun scenes in the movie where Peter kind of is chasing after the bad guys on this like mission to steal a bunch of more alien tech. He ends up getting stuck in this storage locker and totally missing the decathlon. So his friends are mad at him, but MJ wins it for them. So it's totally fine. So yeah, as Peter is talking to the suit lady, he finds out that this core of this weapon that Ned has on him is actually a bomb. So he ends up somehow escaping from the storage locker and getting out and racing towards the Washington Monument because he knows that's where his friends are where they're going to visit you know it's a school trip so monuments so <laughs> they go to the Washington Monument and this is like one of the coolest I think action sequences of the movie oh yeah where he flips over the helicopter and goes through the glass to like catch the elevator last second because of course there's an elevator that's going to fall that needs to be caught by webbing yeah and well, first of all, Peter runs up to the Washington Monument and Zendaya is on the ground. She didn't go up in the elevator. So Peter runs up and she's standing right there and she says, oh, my God, my friends are up there because the fucking top of it is falling. Peter's like, oh, oh OK, I'll fix this right now. And it, he doesn't mask his voice at all. So in my head, I'm like, did she realize it right there? Did, like, did she start to get suspicious? Like that guy kind of sounded like Peter. What the fuck? But yeah, Peter ends up saving his friends and even Flash, who's a fucking idiot. He's like getting rescued by the cops or whatever. And he's like, quick, take my trophy. It's like, oh my God, Flash, go away. But yeah, he even has like this uh, beautiful moment where he saves Liz at the last second. And um, the suit lady, has he's hanging there upside down and Liz is right side up. So it's like perfect uh, vantage point for the famous spider-man kiss and she just now's the moment peter kiss her <laughs> and he falls <laughs> i thought that was great that was like a great little reference to the first spider-man movie the toby mcguire one so they all go back home to new york 
Peter is still continuously like very obsessed with getting to the bottom of this whole thing with the weapons and the vulture and all that stuff. And he continues to kind of blow off school responsibilities to the point where he gets detention. And I feel like now is a good time to mention the Captain America videos that are going on throughout this movie, the little school videos. Oh, they're great. They're they really are great. So, you got detention. You screwed up. You know what you did was wrong. The question is, how are you going to make things right? Maybe you were trying to be cool. Take it from a guy who's been frozen for 65 years. The only way to really be cool, follow the rules. Peter ends up tracking down Aaron Davis in, in an effort to find out more about the vulture and where the weapons are and what his plans are and everything. So Aaron Davis is like, I don't want those weapons around in this neighborhood anyway. I have a nephew that lives here, wink, wink. And he tells Peter, like, listen, I heard something from a friend of a friend. The Vulture has a new buyer named Matt Gargan, and they're going to have a meeting at the Staten Island Ferry at this time, this day. So the Staten Island Ferry scene is probably the one of the most iconic scenes in the movie, most iconic sequences tombs in the vulture suit he ends up escaping and there's a malfunction with one of the weapons that ends up tearing the ferry literally in half with a bunch of innocent people on it but doesn't hit any innocent people magically i said that too i was like thank god there was no one standing directly in the middle of the ferry (laughs) otherwise they would have been vaporized peter has a great sequence where he uses the tech in his suit to find like the strongest points along the tear in the Staten Island Ferry and he goes around with his webs and a million bajillion times and pulls it all together and tries to keep it somewhat glued together and it was almost 100% successful but not so much so it starts breaking again and then he kind of has a again another kind of homage moment to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and it reminded me a lot of that subway moment in uh, the original Toby Spider-Man where he's holding the subway car on the tracks with his webs and stuff and it's so good And but I mean nothing can beat that scene I'm sorry but Tom Holland's scene is pretty good where he's literally with his two arms holding all these webs trying to hold the ferry together uh, until of course Iron Man shows up oh what a shock <laughs> it's funny because like right before everything went down Tony called Peter and he's like hey what you doing there kiddo he's like uh, I'm at school he's like really <laughs> are you though <laughs> well hey that sounds like a fairy horn uh, I, I gotta go because apparently Tony had called the FBI yeah he's like we had this handled you did not you should have listened to me and stayed the fuck out of this because like people could have been killed because of you yeah because tony actually comes out of the suit yeah he because peter says if you actually cared you'd really be here and he just pops out of the suit <laughs> and peter's like oh shit <laughs> that scene between the two of them is like one of the best in the movie it's like a tough love daddy son scene, and it makes me like sad. Let's have it. You don't understand. This is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. Tony ends up confiscating the suit as punishment for Peter's transgressions, and Peter says to Tony, "I just want to be like you." And Tony says, "Well, I wanted you to be better." And I was like, "Oh, it hurts my heart." 
and Peter becomes depressed because well he becomes depressed but he just is kind of forced to go back to normal high school life and he tries to kind of just get back into it he ends up asking Liz to homecoming and she accepts and it's like ah everything's gonna be just fine things are gonna turn around for Peter Parker and then he goes to pick her up and this moment is like amazing he rings the doorbell he's waiting at the door because he now because what we didn't mention on the ferry he saw tombs's face so he knows who tombs is so who opens the door adrian tombs oh my god it's so bad and he's like hi i'm liz's dad and it's like oh fuck and shit peter knows immediately and he's so uncomfortable like he he has no poker face whatsoever he's 16 he's not supposed to have a poker face i know but it's just it's so bad oh my god it's really you can just feel the tension and then he ends up driving the two of them to homecoming and this is the scene where, like, I remember watching in the theater and being, like, genuinely scared because slowly but surely as the car ride goes on, they're talking about stuff and having to do with Spider-Man. And, like, you can just see Adrian Toomes, like, slowly putting it together that Peter is Spider-Man. And Peter's, like, just getting more and more uncomfortable. And then he tells Liz to leave the car. I'm going to have a dad talk with Pete here. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, ooh. Do you forget any of this happened? And don't you ever interfere with my business again. Because if you do, I'll kill you and everybody you love. I'll kill you dead. We haven't seen this level of menace, I feel like, from Keaton in a long time. Yeah. Because he did have Batman in, of course, the Beetlejuice. But I feel like this was such a scene for him to show out of being menacing because there's the light in his face and... Oh, it looks so good. But yeah, this is the moment really where Peter has to decide is he is he a man or a mouse? Is he just a kid or is he a real superhero? Because at this point he doesn't have the super suit, you know what I mean? Uh he has his regular neighborhood Spider Man suit that he sewed in his little bedroom with his bunk bed. <laughs> in Aunt May's little apartment and he knows there's a bad guy out there and he's gonna do bad things he you know during that whole sequence where he's hanging out with Liz and her father he realizes that oh Liz's dad is going he's going on a trip a business trip right so he knows he's up to no good so he's like do I follow this guy to his evil lair and try to stop whatever fucking bullshit that he's doing or do I just let it go and go to homecoming and you know call call happy and just let him know and let him deal with it no ultimately he decides no he goes to liz and he's like i have to leave him sorry he goes out changes into his little bullshit like you know play suit in the in the parking lot and uh the the real adventure begins he goes he confronts tombs and tombs basically buries him under a building yeah because his plan is to hijack a Department of Damage Control plane that is transporting weapons from Avengers Tower to 
the new HQ that Avengers is setting up upstate. And this is all established like at different points throughout the movie that all this is happening just to set up for this moment right here, this big master plan, right? So I totally forgot about this particular sequence in the movie where Peter is just completely crumbled under these rocks and he Tom Holland gives an amazing performance just in this one scene you really know in this point that he is a kid like he is a little kid <laughs> he is crying and like screaming for help and like he doesn't like he's panicking and then all of a sudden he kind of calms himself down for a second he's like okay come on spider-man come on spider-man and he like slowly but surely lifts himself up the rocks come off of him and he's able to squeeze out and run off and continue to go after tombs to the point where he's hanging off of the fucking guy while he's clamped onto a goddamn invisible airplane in the sky <laughs> like this kid is fucking amazing uh yeah this leads to the fight tombs's wings get damaged and to the point where the plane crashes too and tombs almost dies in an explosion but of course our spider-man pulls him to safety and you know what's funny too they crashed the plane in freaking coney island a nice little reference back to the warriors <laughs> coney island damn straight you get a nice shot of spider-man sitting on the cyclone <laughs> it's uh it was kind of funny but yeah at, there's comes a point where tombs's wings malfunction they're gonna explode and peter without even thinking about it saves his life and just kind of ties him up and leaves him for the cops so we get this kind of ending scene where peter meets with tony and he's like hey i got this big press conference out there we're going to introduce the world to our newest avenger spider-man look at your new flashy suit it's so cool and um peter ends up turning it down He's like, I still need some more cooking there, boss. I need to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for just a little while longer. And Peter's like, was that a test, Mr. Stark? He's like, ah, of course it was, Peter. For I am your surrogate father and I know all. Now get your butt in that car and you be a good boy now. And he's like, okay, Mr. Stark. La -di -la -di -la. And, <laughs> and Pepper Potts, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, comes out and she's like, where is the kid? <laughs> we got people waiting in there and the cutest thing happens tony looks at happy and he's like oh well we got to think of something else to tell these people you still got that ring in your pocket and he's like oh i've been carrying this thing since 2008 which is when the first iron man movie came out so that was cute and uh I yeah do, then do. the the press conference ends up being about them getting engaged which is cute oh, i do love pepper goes i can't believe you're still carrying that but yeah this is actually a big moment because everyone thought gwyneth paltrow was out of the mcu in civil war she had like kind of broken up with tony and everyone thought oh gwyneth paltrow's out of the mcu oh and then uh for her to show up here was like oh my god she's back uh i do love tony going yeah, the kid did something totally... <laughs> Very mature of him. It surprised the heck out of us. <laughs> and it's just a nice moment of, you know, Spider-Man still gets to be Spider-Man. On that note, maybe uh, we should talk about other people that were uh, maybe tossed around to be Spider-Man in um, one of our favorite segments called... The, the cast, cast could have been. Okay, so this 
so after swings from webs no he can't oh my god because he's big <laughs> oh my god um so after andrew garfield was kind of gonna be replaced we had to figure out where we were gonna go and there were a lot of names being bandied about including uh some some bigger names that maybe scott would recognize including um grant gustin who ended up playing the flash on the tv show okay yeah i could see that um timothy chalamet oh god i can't see that <laughs> oh no, i can't either but like i do love some timothy chalamet i'm not gonna lie and then we had daniel radcliffe was thrown around which i mean i'm a big harry potter fan you guys know this but like no i don't i don't think uh, i don't think that would work <laughs> at this time he's I think he's too old at this I point. I mean, yeah, he's like, by this point, so yeah, he's like in his 30s by this point. So no, stop he's, it. He's got the beard. Yeah, no. Well, we could shave beards, dear. No, we can't <laughs> shave the beard. But last but not least, Scott. It's Rupert Grint. What? No, 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 no. Better. So much better. Donald Glover was considered to be Spider-Man. Um, he actually did a, a bit of stand-up about this particular phenomenon that was going on. If I can find it on YouTube, I will put it here. Half the world was like, Donald for Spider-Man. We're only going to watch the next Spider-Man of Donald Glover's playing Peter Parker. And the other half was like, he's black, kill him! Like, he's so fast. I'm so fast. But, yeah, it, it was like a big thing on the internet. Everyone wanted Donald Glover to play Spider-Man, and it didn't happen, but they figured they would settle by putting him in the movie as a minor side character, which, I mean, it is what it is, but, like, no, we want Donald Glover as Spider-Man. Well, now we've missed the both of that. Well, yeah, I think that's why. Because I think the, the hype for Donald Glover to be Spider-Man happened kind of years ago, and then by the time this movie came out, I think this was... Re the response that this movie wanted to give to that he's, phenomenon like okay we he can't he's a little too old to be spider-man now but we'll put him in the movie <laughs> ultimately i think tom holland did a great job i mean he he was another person that's been in the business for a long time he was in um his first movie was the impossible that's that movie that's what it's called it was so so good so it's not a surprise that he had a big break and a big explosion in his career. I am a little worried about Tom Holland going forward. Meaning what? I worry that because he is a good actor, and but everything he seems to be doing now after Spider Man is all blockbustery attempted shit. Yeah, and none of it seems to be right for him. Like he did Uncharted. It was fine. It it's a, just a run of the mill action movie. He had that other one that came and went with Daisy Ridley. Oh, Chaos Walking. Yeah, I've never seen that, but I heard it was terrible. I mean, I don't think I I definitely get what you're saying because I think a lot of actors who kind of blow up when they're in a big franchise like this, they sometimes you know it's a sink or swim after it's done or when they start doing other things you kind of just have to see if they can separate themselves or if the audience can separate themselves from the character and the actor but i think i think it's possible with tom holland because he's done other stuff that's good i think he just has to find the right stuff but i think also he's kind of riding the wave of being this top billed actor right now because because he can and he's very popular i think he's probably just trying to ride that wave also 
and you know make that money which like do you boo boo but yeah. I think people will forgive him for things like Uncharted or whatever. Because, I mean, you saw it. I didn't. But I would imagine that Tom Holland isn't probably the issue with something like Uncharted. No, he's not the issue. He's fine. He's just not the character. He's Tom Holland. Right. So, I, again, I, I don't think... Because if, look at Zendaya as a total, like, different example. Because Zendaya, she's done big things, too. Like, she's... She did the Dune movie. She's going to do part two of Dune. She did Greatest Showman also, which was like a big kind of... It wasn't as big of a blockbuster as like Spider-Man, obviously, but it's like a bigger a bigger movie, right? But she's also done independent things and like smaller movies. Well, she's also got Euphoria. And- she's got Euphoria. So I, I think it's just a matter of so- finding the right thing. And it's, it's kind of a similar situation to what happened with RDJ because RDJ is a great fucking actor. Like, I don't think anyone would deny that because he did great shit before he did Iron Man and he has the capacity to do great shit afterwards. Just for some reason, he really hasn't yet. <laughs> he did do little right after Iron Man was gone and then it, it, that was just awful. He did the Judge movie, which I think was okay, but... That wasn't after. That was while it was going on, still. It, so. it was during. I think he was, at that point, still trying to see, like, hey, how... But can he, we- he did other movies in the middle of all the MCU stuff. He did the Sherlock stuff. He did other well, things. and I love him as Sherlock. So he has the capacity to do other stuff. It's just a matter of, like, picking the right things. And it's as far as, like, the Doolittle thing goes, I mean, I haven't seen the movie. I just heard the word of mouth that it's bad. But I think... When you're also RDJ is kind of different because he did that role for like so long. So I can understand the impulse to like do something totally different, you know, than Iron Man. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to do Dr. Doolittle with a funny accent and talk to animals like that'll be fun. So, yeah, I I think it all comes down to what you pick. But I think Tom Holland also kind of realizes that no matter what he is in at this point, People are going to go see it because Tom Holland's in the movie. So I think he's got that going for him too. So I think he can just pick whatever the fuck he wants. And he is also a very physical actor. He does a lot of his own stunts. So I think he also, when he sees a blockbuster, maybe like something like Uncharted that requires a lot of stunt work and flips and jumps and shit, he probably like wants to jump on that shit. No pun intended very easily because he's like fun, flippy, jumpy shit. You know what I mean? So there's probably a lot that goes into it. But I, I see where your concern is, but I, I think he's going to write the ship because the kid's a good actor. I think if you have talent, you know, and you're if you're already in the public eye and you have talent, then you'll stay in the public eye. If you're getting in the public eye on a fluke, then it's questionable. But I don't think Tom Holland's a fluke. I, I Again, I hope so. I just, I, I hope, because I know eventually... He's going to eventually move on from Spider-Man. It's just going to happen. Oh, yeah. Eventually, yeah, sure. So it will be interesting to see what that next thing is. Um, hopefully he takes advice from people like Chris Evans, who's done it. Uh, well, Chris Evans, too, is similar to Zendaya in that, like, he... During the MCU and after the MCU, he's done both independent things and kind of more blockbustery things... You know, so I think, yeah, I think 
I think Tom Holland will be okay. I think RDJ will be just fine too, despite Doolittle. I think he's kind of just, he's kind of riding the wave right now. He really doesn't have to do a damn thing he doesn't want to do. Well, he made a lot of money. Uh, yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to. That's the thing about him specifically. Like, he probably doesn't even have to work really at all, like, as far as acting. So he can just kind of like coast and, like, if he finds a script that he really likes, he'll he'll do it. But yeah. if not, he can kind of just chill. Bring, can we have Sherlock three, please? We've been talking about it's, Sherlock three forever in a day. Can we have Sherlock three, please, I RDJ? Don't think, I don't think it's ever gonna happen. No, RDJ called you, Law. Get him off this fucking Dumbledore Fantastic Beast shit. It's crashing and it's burning. It's stinking up the place. Okay, so let's go get, back to Sherlock. Let's go get to these end credits here. Okay, quick. yeah, yeah, yeah. End credits. I actually have a question for you when we get to the end credits. So okay. the first is the mid credit scene, which is like arguably the most important one, um, where we get the the buyer that was on the boat that got arrested and he is approaching Adrian Toomes in prison, and he asks about a rumor. A rumor that he knows who the real Spider-Man is. And Toomes denies it. Now, well, okay. Now I have two questions. Number one, why do you think he denied it? I think there's two possibilities. A, either he wants to kill Peter himself. Which eventually Vulture does break out of prison. It always fucking happens. But he saved him too. Exactly. And that's the B. He respects the kid because the kid could have just let him die yeah and the kid saved his life saved his daughter's life well that didn't matter before <laughs> no it didn't but it's it something in his head probably is like the kid kind of did right by me he could have just let me fucking die that's true i guess I, I would hope that's the reason but my second question is this now i know we talked about people being considered for spider-man but there was one name that I read that was considered for Vulture, and that name is Gary Oldman. Okay. So who who do you want as your Vulture, Scott? Michael Keaton or Gary Oldman? I love Gary Oldman. I do. I love him to death. He is probably, arguably, one of our greatest living actors at this moment. Yes, I agree. Uh, the man can be in any role whatsoever. For some reason, I think I would prefer Michael Keaton. And that's not, again, it's not a slight. I think you can do better. If you're going to pull Gary Oldman, I think you can pull him into something better than having him be Adrian Toomes. I kind of agree with you on that. I think Oldman's interpretation of this role would have been cool as fuck, but I think that Michael Keaton really does such a great job in this role. Um, again, he is particularly terrifying in this role in a very specific way that I think works excellently. So I, I don't want to take him out of it. And I do think I, I want Gary in the fucking MCU at some point. I really do. But I think he could be a bigger bad even than the vulture and just kill. I want him to be a villain. I really, I see Gary Oldman as a villain character in this, in the MCU that could like kill it. Yeah. So then as we go into the end credits scene scott and i are sitting there waiting through the credits as all mcu fans do we all know the tea and we're sitting and we're waiting and we're like what is the end credit scene in this movie i forget what was it again i don't remember and then all of a sudden <laughs> captain Amer- i remember <laughs> captain america sits down and is like you all waited here patience is a virtue 
but sometimes patience leads to nothing. Oh my <laughs> God. I remembered as that happened, it was, the, I remember sitting in the theater being like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is bullshit. Well, it's the MCU taking shots at us. Oh my God. It was so funny because I forgot. It, I was so happy that I forgot because it was like a nice little like, what the fuck moment. It was great. So Yeah. Guys, that was Spider-Man Homecoming. It I was, was pleasantly surprised like at how good it was. I forgot that it was like genuinely really great. It's a lot of fun. It still is. Again, besides Liz, everything else is great in the movie. I don't have a problem with Liz as she's, a character. I think she's fine. I just think we all know she's pointless because Peter's going to end up with Zendaya. So it's like, why? what are we wasting our time for? It's just like, yeah, she's just one of those characters, though. And I, I don't think there's anything necessarily great about her. No, but, like, she's not bad. It's just whatever. Exactly. But it's it's a whatever we spend a lot of time on. I don't even think that's true. Uh, I think we spend... I think the, the love between Ned and Peter is given more credence than whatever's going on between Peter and Liz. At one point, you know, Peter, while he's fighting tombs, he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm fighting my girlfriend's dad. And it's like, is she really your girlfriend, bro? You you asked her to homecoming and then you ditched her at the dance. Like, I don't know if that qu- quantifies as girlfriend material. But I digress. You get the childlike playfulness, teenage fuckery of like a John Hughes movie. But you also get the excitement and the action and the tension of an MCU film. You get a real superhero origin story. Even though you know Spider-Man is already Spider-Man, in this adventure, he really kind of learns what that means. It's not about just having a flashy suit or being able to swing from webs and flip around and jump off high buildings and shit so um yeah i actually before this rewatch i had it rated as a three and a half out of five and i bumped it up to a four out of five because i had a grand old time with it i have it as a 4.5 Ooh, okay girl okay again i think the movie's great from beginning to end it really is a lot of fun tom holland was the perfect choice to be our new spider-man Indeed, indeed. Well, next week, I'm going to be showing Scott a movie. I'm very excited about this particular movie. It's it's also a movie filled with adventure and fun. Is there any baseball? No. Oh. No, we're, we're done with the baseball stuff, I think, for, for now. Um, we're moving on to other things, other other sports, maybe? No, we're not. I'm not showing Scott a sports movie. What, what do you think I am? An athlete? Certainly not. But we are going to revisit uh, yet another Susan Sarandon movie. Ah. So that'll be fun. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our rip-roaring, highfalutin' movie adventure. Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider pig does. Oh, wait, God no. Damn it. I, I fucked it up. I'm sorry. Hey! <laughs>